And I'm Julia, and welcome to another episode of your local YA Tipsy book podcast on the Syrians. <laughs> Running out of ways to introduce I was going to say, you were doing different. so good there that you just tapered off a little. I but wanted to do something different in that I like had a panic mode in the middle of it. That's fine. It's, you got all the words out. That's what matters. <laughs> That's good. How are you? Uh, how are you doing today, Julia? What are you drinking? I'm I'm doing well. I'm very exhausted, but um, I'm doing Same. as well as I can. <laughs> um, I am drinking a Vermont Farmstead Amber Ale conditioned in wine barrels from um, Hill. I think it's just Hill Farmstead. Yeah, in Vermont. Um, which I wanted to save this, Fancy. but I uh, realized before we were recording this that I don't have any other alcohol in my house. I'm not mm. at my parents', which you can always tell when I'm recording and not at my parents' house, which is the majority of the time, versus when I'm at my parents'. Because when I'm at my parents', I have good drinks. You have like <laughs> cocktails, like, yeah. Cocktails. And when I'm here, I'm like, beer cider maybe wine maybe <laughs> if i remember to pick some up that's what i hate about being around here is you can't buy wine easily you have to go to a liquor store and like there are tiers of liquor stores i don't want to go mm-hmm. to a random liquor store where the wine is probably on heated shelves <laughs> you don't when i'm spending a lot of money on wine that does not taste good at all um and then the nearest wine store that's decent is like a 20 minute drive which doesn't sound like a lot but when i'm coming home from work, a lot of effort a lot of effort because it's 20 minutes from work and then another 20 minutes over to the wine store so that's 40 minutes of driving and it's just not yeah no thank you not what i'm in for but uh otherwise not a whole lot going on with me um spending a lot of money just caught up (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> the only thing that's changed is I'm spending a lot of money on my apartment for my very last term of grad school, which is kind of depressing that I'm only there for four months. But at least you get to go there for four months. The pandemic didn't take everything no. from you. I couldn't take this one term from me. You get senior <laughs> spring, basically, on campus. How fun is that? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um... Yeah. I mean, I, I think I would feel better about it if I hadn't spent so much money on tuition. We did not get any tuition breaks. I feel like at least some colleges gave tuition breaks. We didn't get anything. So, it's did not bummer. get to use any of the facilities, but spent a lot of money in the theoretical use of the facilities. <laughs> spent a lot of money Remember? so other people could potentially use the facilities. Exactly. Sadness. Um, yeah, where, where are you drinking? What's up with you? I'm drinking a Sangiovese. Sangiovese? Is that right? Did I say that sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a confident vote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can properly say it, but I think that was Sangiovese. <laughs> That's better. That's the worst. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if the viewers can't see your uh, hand movements, but it was very Italian. I was doing the mamma mia with my hand. Mamma mia. Uh, this is made in California. <laughs> After all of that. 
Oh no! I'm just telling you, it was a it's a San Giovese, but it was made in like Carlsbad County or something. Like it's definitely California California wine. I mean, maybe it was an Italian descendant who made it, so you know. <laughs> maybe I keep doing this where I'm drinking wines that are not California wines, but they're from California. It's been great. Honestly, good for you. I mean. <laughs> How, yeah, I don't think a lot of, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like there's not a lot of native California grapes anyway, um, so. It's fine. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> um, but I'm, I have, uh, I'm, like, after this bottle, I only have one bottle left from my, oh my wine God. order from, like, six wow, months Wow, you actually ago. made it through. <laughs> yeah, but, best. like, no one could ever call me an alcoholic, considering it's taken me, like, seven or eight months to get through 15 bottles of wine. That is true. That's just a long stretch. So, I, uh, I'm almost done, so that means I'm going to order an, a new box soon, which is good, because I have a huge balance built up. You have to send me the recommendation for your place, by the way, for the, the referral. Oh my god, yes, I do. I'm sorry, I need to do that. <laughs> I'll do that after I email that guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so that's how my week's going, is it's just been like work, 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 um, As evidenced by the fact that right before we started recording at 6.15, 6.30 Eastern, or Western Pacific time, and 9, almost 9.30 Eastern time, my, my boss on the East Coast pinged me, and he was like, do you have a... <laughs> Quick question for you. Do you have a couple minutes? And I call him and he's like, I'm screen sharing with you. Let's talk through this right now. So Julia got to have a sneak peek, like live preview of my uh, my work. Because I had no idea what was going on. And I was shopping on my phone. I speak in acronyms. It's code. It's all code. And it was a one-sided conversation. I couldn't even hear what was happening. So. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that the mic didn't pick up the speakerphone. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's good to know. Security. Privacy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just been really busy. We have our, um, like, big reporting meeting to wrap up our Q3 project tomorrow. And then I'm also kicking off my Q4 project tomorrow. So. Major, major, major. Busy, busy. Uh, but other than that, things are, things are okay. I have to take Skyla to the doctor tomorrow and oh, doing lots of homework help and yeah it's gonna be a busy day tomorrow but it's all good everything you know for the most part everything's pretty pretty low-key I'm not having any flashbacks about traumatic car accidents um monsters aren't chasing me down the street yet so thank god (laughs) closest we've gotten is the flea-ridden stray cat that's trying to move into my house well you never know be careful could be a flurkin, like in Captain Marvel. Honestly, that cat kind of looks like Goose. Just oh, God. Can okay, be very careful then. <laughs> nah, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's not a Malkai. It's not a Corsai. If it was a Sunai, I honestly probably wouldn't be that mad. Um, though we actually get a, a nice visit from another Sunai in these chapters, which is great. That is true. I was very excited. Me too. That chapter was so fun to read. 
yeah no it was very surprising um should should we dive into it we're reading chapters six through eight of verse three of the savage song by victoria schwab julia why don't you uh give us a synopsis (laughs) all right verse three chapter six the kids walk to a pay by the hour motel which i did not know those existed but good to know now it's for sex you oh okay (laughs) that's why i didn't take hookers i didn't know (laughs) moving on (laughs) uh so they go to this pay by the hour motel and use most of kate's cash for a room the place crosses her out and she lies down so she can stitch her up I think that was supposed to be creeps her out (laughs) the place creeps her out i'm so sorry no i love this I'll try again. <laughs> the place creeps her out and she lies down so August can stitch her up. She pops some painkillers and takes off her clothes. August doesn't even flinch. <laughs> Just puts on some gloves. He cleans the wounds, sprays the numbing agent, and tries to start. But Kate grabs her soggy cigarettes out of her bag and starts smoking. August is very gentle and tries not to hurt her. Kate thinks he's sort of scream- squeamish for the whole thing, uh, about the whole thing, despite being a monster. <laughs> the pain starts to get to her, so she just starts talking and sharing facts about herself. She grew up with stories about Harker rather than knowing him herself because her and her mother left so early in her childhood, her mother would always make him sound like this larger-than-life figure. But when they came back to V-City, he was nothing like the stories and everything was wrong, which is what her, what made her, oh my god, what made her mom crack? <laughs> I can talk. I've had like four sips of this beer and I'm already tipsy. You got this. I believe in you. Uh, she flashes back to the night her mom died where they snuck out of the penthouse and no one stopped them. Kate thought her dad would be mad and her mom kept reassuring her. She closed her eyes, then heard claws on the metal and saw a flash of headlights. She saw her mother smashed against the wheel, dead, but also saw red eyes behind her mother. Mm-hmm. Then August finishes and she loses the memory. Da, da, da. <laughs> she mentally grabs for it, but can't remember what she saw. She asks August what she's saying, and he apologizes for his ability that people are constantly saying the truth around him. He also tells her he tried to tune most of it out, so cannot be sure what she said. He wishes he would have been upfront about it, um, and he says it's fair payback since he can only tell the truth anyways, and then lets her know she will have scars. I Was I drunk when I wrote this? Yes, you were. <laughs> she wishes he would have been upfront about that, and he says it's fair payback since he can only tell the truth anyways, and then lets her know she will have scars. I mentioned I've been really tired, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. Thank you for writing this. <laughs> I'll just be on the lookout. <laughs> Kate then asks how a surgeon ended up running South City, and August says it's because the rest of Flynn's family died. (laughs) I just want to read this as it's written. And August says it's because the rest of the Flynn's died. I read that as because the rest of Flynn died. (laughs) Like, he just isn't there anymore. 
His brain is still working, but his heart, his heart is broken. Oh, God. Poor mess. I love it. They've gotten no messages back from Harker, which is a bad sign because he should have seen her messages by then. She's still reeling from the pain, but then also realizes she's hungry and that August, of course, didn't buy any food at the pharmacy, being a monster. He goes to look for a vending machine, and as soon as she leaves, as soon as he leaves, the phone rings. August is standing outside the vending machine, having an existential crisis and missing his cat. Same. <laughs> he grabs some random things from the machine at the insistence of another guy waiting, and then sees a payphone and heads over there. He wants to call Henry, but is worried Henry will tell him to abandon Kate, and he knows that is wrong, so he puts the phone down. Um, notably, he puts the phone down when he realizes Leo is probably going to go absolutely crazy on him. True. Back to, back to Kate, Harker finally called. She tells him about the attack, the setup, and that she thinks it is Sloane. He doesn't quite believe her, but she tells him to question him. She also lies and says she's alone and refuses to get into a car or tell him where she is because his, safe, his house isn't safe. He tells her to go to a specific set of coordinates and that he will call more call back later. She also makes him promise she can kill whatever Molkai was responsible for the attack, which he agrees to. Apparently that conversation was the most they had spoken in years. I'm so sad. We flash forward to them both in the room together and Kate is saying she will get out of the city. She tells August to go home, and he knows he should, but refuses to leave her while she is still injured. She tries to push him away, but he says his family was being framed, and if the truth... Truth? <laughs> if the truth... <laughs> if the truth breaks, a lot of people will die, and they need to figure it out together. Teamwork. She drops the... Teamwork. She drops the topic of him leaving, though there... I cannot read. She drops the topic of him leaving, though. Period. <laughs> there is only one bed in the room. Oh my god! So he sleeps there on the floor. There is no one bed trope really in this book. It's not that kind of book. I know, but it's so funny. So he sleeps on the floor, and she gives him a pillow. Kate starts to fiddle with the radio because she hates quiet, which helps August drift off too. But then the hunger starts. <gasps> Verse 3, chapter 7. <laughs> August wakes up in a feverish state, thinking Ilsa is in the room. He recognizes she cannot be there because she never leaves the compound, but she feels very solid and tells him to be quiet because Kate is sleeping. He doesn't understand how she's there, but she says no one paid attention to her because they were all looking for him, and she can sense him from anywhere. She tries to get her, he tries to get her to go back home, but she says she could sense the family wanted her to come and reminds him she told him everything was breaking. Glad it isn't her fault this time, but feeling bad she couldn't protect the world from the bad. She asks him to come back home, but he cannot because of everything that has happened. He feels responsible to fix it. She asks if he cares about Kate, and he says he cares about the city and making sure the truce doesn't break, and that he is trying to keep an innocent safe. She agrees to let him, but wants to help. He doesn't want to risk her, though. She tells him the Malkai are coming, which he learned from the motel owner, because he couldn't help but tell her the truth. He calls Kate's name, but she won't wake up, so Ilsa presses her shoulder and introduces herself. <laughs> Kate notes that Ilsa is the third Sunai, and Ilsa corrects her, telling her she's the first. Get it right. August tells... I love it. August tells... <laughs> 
Kate the Malkai are coming and asks Ilsa to listen for him because she can hear them coming, but they are right outside the door. Ilsa says she will stay behind to give them a chance to get away, and August doesn't want her in harm's way. She reminds him she is not afraid of the dark and tells him to leave. Verse 3, Chapter 8. Kate grabs a spike out as they get into the hall, though it isn't quite enough to stab Amalkai's heart. August hovers near her to catch her if she falls, and then they have three paths, two staircases and an elevator. Kate heads towards one of the stairs, and August just keeps staring back at Ilsa. Kate just bruises past his fear, and then they keep running. Eventually, they make it into a basement where a Malkai drops down in front of them with the brand cut off. August moves to stand in front of Kate, and then behind them, a human stomps down with a metal baton. With baton? Baton? <laughs> metal baton! Oh my god! They just have a mini little version of Baton Rouge that he carries around and whacks oh people god. with the metal mat. <laughs> With a metal baton with a brand clawed off his face as well. This confuses Kate that there are human dissenters as well, and she freezes for a second and August protects her from a hit from the ba- <laughs> I can't look at this word anymore. Baton. 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 From the baton. Baton. <laughs> Focus. <laughs> Moving on. Kate tries to fight the Malkai, but is too fast for her. August continues to fight the man with the electrical... Because <laughs> that's what it's called. Baton. <laughs> the, ele- the electrical back... <laughs> baton. <laughs> I'm going to say it differently every time I say it. See it. The, the electrical baton and tears it out of his hand. <laughs> the Malkai shoves Kate against the wall, but then Kate stabs it in the arm. She continues to tussle with the Malkai while August and the guy come crashing back into the room. The Malkai kicks her hand, or he kicks her hard, and when standing close over her, Kate pulls out another spike and grabs it. She stabs it! Stabs it! <laughs> I love this so much. Kate pulls out another spike and stabs it. She gets her spikes, turns turns to August, right as he electrocutes the guy with his own pet on. It's too late to be doing this. One more paragraph. You can't do it. (sighs) They start walking through the cars in the basement area. And Kate is looking for a specific car to steal. She picks a black sedan and has August break the window for her. She cleans out the glass and starts to hotwire the car. August doesn't know how to drive, so she figures it's safe with her at the wheel. She realizes there's a gated exit with an attendant at a booth, so she just guns it. She just guns it to ram through at the exit, naturally. Mm-hmm. He is not happy with her for that, but they get out and start to leave the city. She asks if he is okay, and he tells her in a clipped tone that he is fine as she drives out of the city. He is not fine. What a little liar pants! <laughs> but he doesn't want her trying to leave without him. <laughs> so he's being an Boy, idiot. that's not going to end well. Oh, no, I have so many feelings on these chapters. Oh, God. Me too. I do, I'm, like, confused about her chapter breaks, though. 
like it made sense when she was skipping from one point of view to another but like now Mm -hmm. that she's kind of just doing it however she wants in the chapters Mm -hmm. i don't like chapter seven was really short it was i don't get why she didn't just combine seven and eight like i don't know because i think she wants the separate moments like a Mm. victoria schwab generally writes very short chapters like she's a short chapter kind of person these are the longest chapters i've ever seen her write in any of her books that i've read uh she normally writes like two to three page chapters Hmm. maybe a little bit longer if she has a bigger plot point she wants to talk about but she kind of goes from scene to scene again right like it's kind of like a movie so it makes sense to me that you have like okay here is the scene of like them getting into the motel and doing the stitches and having the heart to heart then they go to sleep end scene then you have the scene of ilsa coming to save them and them just getting out end scene then you have the fight and them getting into the car but being in the car with a hungry sunai end scene so each one has like a little cliffhanger and there weren't really any other like cliffhangers within the chapters that would have worked because i think she likes to end her action on a cliffhanger yeah i guess it just bothers me because i'm like why why (laughs) like it's not really necessary i get artistically i guess why but i don't know i mean some people just like shorter chapters i'm starting to really prefer shorter chapters Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know why. I think it's because I've been reading so much Victoria Schwab. It works for me. I don't... I think I still like long chapters just because, like, with smaller chapters, I feel like my attention just gets too distracted too easily. Like, I'd rather just, like... Usually, most of the time, a chapter is long for a reason. Like, there's a longer drawn out, as you said, with Mm -hmm. Victoria Schwab, like a plot, or there's a lot of, like, description going on, or just, like, Mm -hmm. dialogue, and it's easier to, like, feel immersed. And then, like, if you have that chapter end pretty quickly, it feels like you're, like, drawn out of it very fast as well. So, I don't know. But then you have books like One Last Stop where their chapters are like 60 pages and I'm like ready to (laughs) chuck my book out the window. I'm like, give me a break. I know. I agree. I mean, I feel like a 15 to 20 page chapter is like a good chapter size, but I do also appreciate sometimes having that like broken up staccato style Mm -hmm. because it helps me read faster. Even if I don't retain as much, to your point, like, I may read faster because, like, the pace of the book feels more sped up because of how quick the chap, like, how quick you're flipping through the chapters. So it just depends on the book. Like, I really enjoyed that about reading Vicious. Um, And, like, Dance of Thieves, which I'm reading right now, has pretty short chapters, too, and it's been making it pretty easy to, like, go from chapter to chapter and, like, staying ingrained in the book that's, like, 500 pages and nothing has happened yet. That's not true. That's not fair. Some things, some things have happened. I'm just like waiting for it to really pick up. Um. All right. Anyways, chapter six. What do you have for chapter six? Uh, I, I love how August is like so focused on the task at hand. He's like, I'm going to put on my gloves and I'm going to stitch mm-hmm. up this human body. And like, these are all the steps I need to take. And this is what Henry would do. And he's like, you can clearly tell, like, he's like thinking through every single step so he doesn't make a mistake. And Kate's like, um, he didn't look at my boobs. So he's clearly not human. 
I love that part. I have that highlighted as well because I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> like, A, what a low opinion she has of the opposite sex, but also not it's wrong. so good. It's so accurate, though. But it's, like, also so funny because I feel like in YA a lot when you have those romance scenes and someone is, like, stripping or even just, like, taking their shirt off or, like, taking something off. doesn't even have to be, like, full-on stripping. Mm-hmm. You always get the other, the romantic interest who's, like, trying not to look. And, like, there's so much tension. And here you just have August being like, okay, I need to do this medical procedure on this girl. <laughs> like, how do I do this? Exactly. Like, doesn't even bother looking. <laughs> exactly. I love when you kind of, like, flip it. Yeah, exactly. You flip the trope on itself. I like this way of doing it um, versus, I, have you watched Never Have I Ever? No, I haven't. Okay, well, there's this scene, there's this guy, Paxton Hall Yoshida, or Yoshida Hall, I don't remember which order it goes in, and he's, like, a mixed kid, which you could probably gather from his name, Um, but, like, he's, like, the hot boy at school, he's, like, a swimmer, like, very hot, and they have this one scene where he's, um, his table's wobbly, and so they, like, have him take his shirt off and start sanding all of the other table legs, like, shirtless, in, like, slow-mo with, like, sweat dripping down his body. And then they oh have someone narrating over it that it's like, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> I'm like, this is not necessary for a YA show. Like, can we not? Um, so I much prefer this way of flipping the, the trope on its head than that way, where they just make the fun innocence. of The innocence. exactly exactly um and he's such a sweetie too like so focused and gentle and trying to make it as painless and easy on her as possible like my heart and like he did inadvertently make it i mean like obviously she didn't want to talk about her past her father Mm -hmm. and stuff but like in a way he made it a little bit less painful because she's distracted that way and she's like in a different world essentially so he did help her a lot. And he's just generally kind of useful because he's fixing her repression. That is true. That is very true. And she needs that. <laughs> Even if she can't remember it necessarily. I know. I just, it's so interesting, like, how <laughs> authors do it in different ways when characters have these, like, traumatic moments that they're clearly repressing, like, components of it. Um, and then they always resurface at the most opportune yeah. moment. <laughs> but it's not a plot device no of course not (laughs) but I like I like this way of doing it where it's like it's starting to resurface but at least you have a reason as to why like August is kind of like dragging it out it it makes more sense um I feel like rather than it being just kind of like thrown in there like some of the plot devices we had in the the conceit (laughs) yeah this is much better than Evelyn's repression (laughs) oh my god girl (laughs) Uh, and can we just can we talk about the comedic relief in this chapter all three of these chapters had little bits of comedic relief and i was like what is going on what genre are we in but yes let's love let's talk about the one that i'm sure we both want to talk about (laughs) like okay first off silly humans needing food they're so needy like ugh, we're the worst but also like kate's like what kind of Food does a soon I eat? Soul food. <laughs> and 
walk is just a blank stare. Like, I get it. Why Fine. are you saying this out loud? <laughs> he did smile kind of at the end, but oh my god, it True. was such a dad joke. Like, mm-hmm. Kate Harker out here making dad jokes. You know she didn't learn them from her own dad. So She's probably a little bit delirious from the pain that she is trying to ignore, but we appreciate the uh, effort. <laughs> I loved it. I laughed out loud. I thought it was. I so did too. Good. I like. I can't. I, so I, it's good. gonna be one of my all-time favorite jokes in a while. <laughs> it's just like it's smushed in all this action and like pain and like terrible memories and she's and just, just like <laughs> soul, soul food. food. <laughs> oh god, it was so good. Um, and then I just. I related so much to August, like, missing hugging Allegro the most out of, like, everything that's gone wrong. He's just like, I just want to hug my cat and sit in my bed. I would be the same way if I had a cat. I love it. So, so sweet. Uh, And I was, like, bummed's not the right word. But it it was slightly disappointing to kind of see, like, August backtrack a little bit with everything with, like, the payphone, where he goes back into his moral dilemma, like, well, should I call Henry to have Henry tell me what to do, but Leo might try to tell me what to do, and I don't know if I want that, and, like, I know that I should be helping Kate, but, like, is that really the right thing? And he's very wishy-washy, and he was so confident in the last chapters, like, so collected, so with it, and now he's backtracking again now that he's no longer in that, like, I'm playing my music, I'm a bomb-ass bitch mode. Well, and the fact that he's not around Kate, I feel like, makes a difference. I feel like he's trying to be a little bit braver when he's around Kate, in the same way that Kate likes to act like she's more confident because she actually is around other people. That's true. I would fake it till I made it around Kate Harker because she scares the shit out of me. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Even though she just made a horrible dad joke. But it's just, just like there's so much pain in this girl. Like the fact that that not even two pages of dialogue between her and her father is the most that they've spoken Mm -hmm. in five years. That yep. may be the and saddest thing I've ever heard. I don't trust this dialogue either. You mean like, like you don't trust what Harker's saying? Mm-mm. I don't. Well, he didn't really tell any truths. He was just like, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? And then she but was like, no. he also told her to go somewhere, which scares me a little bit. Well, yeah, but I have a feeling that's where she was going to go anyways. Okay, well... The fact that now he knows he's, she's going there. I don't, I just like, there's something about him. I feel like that whole conversation set me on edge because I was just like waiting for like a catch or something. And it felt mm-hmm. like that was the catch. Because like, why did they have a whole conversation for the first time in this situation? Right. I don't know. I don't he know. creeps me out. Same. But at least we know that like the ones that were sent after them in the hotel are not Harker. Like, I think it, it would be very hard to tie all this stuff to Harker, at least as of right now, based on the evidence that we have. 
which gives me yeah, a little bit of hope probably. that it, he's he may just be making stupid decisions in who he trusts, but he may not necessarily be like the big bad, like what you've tried to convince me Maddox is, and I refuse to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then I just, throughout all of these chapters, I really loved the little cliffhangers that she gave. Like, ooh, the hunger's starting to manifest. What are we gonna do? <laughs> How long yeah. do we have? And it kind of, like, like, puts this, like, panic and urgency in you to, like, read the next chapter and then the next chapter and then the next chapter and, like, not ever stop. That, the hunger part confused me, though, because I didn't. For some reason, I had it in my head that he didn't have to eat that often. But is it just because he's been, like, doing all this action stuff that he's hungry or something? Because he just th- ate, didn't he? I think he eats, like, every couple of days. Oh, okay. It's not like he can go, like, three weeks between meals. Mm. Okay. Yeah. But um, I also think that that's a good point. That, like, he's been using up a lot of energy and hurting his body um trying to eat the malkai and so like back at the school and then he's been on the run they haven't slept for like two days like it's been it's been pretty rough so it wouldn't surprise me that he's starting to get hungry again Mm -hmm. because he ate what the day before or two days before the whole music room incident two days before yeah so it's it's getting to be time because they've been on the run for like a day and a half two days now true interesting yep anyways that's all i had for chapter six did you i think i kind of covered mine in there as well yeah that joke cracks me up every time so good chapter seven yes what do you have for chapter seven i i had to like reread the beginning of the chapter because for some reason i thought that he was just like dreaming um so like when i first read it i like i don't (laughs) Yeah, so, like, my mind, so I was like, oh, he's dreaming, this isn't real, but then, like, they're, like, talking like it's real, so I was like, wait, hold on, (laughs) is it actually real? And, like, because it's never actually stated, like, this isn't a dream, like, explicitly, so for me, having read this for the first time, I was like, oh, (laughs) Elsa is actually there, let me go back and reread their dialogue. (laughs) I think it was when she went over to Kate and woke Kate up that I, I it like, clicked for me. And Kate can um, see her, yeah. <laughs> and Kate can see her, yeah. <laughs> and he's not hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fact that he goes, um, our sister has two sides. They do not meet multiple times. She's out of the compound. She's talking about, like, she's not afraid of the dark. I'm worried. I feel like I get that she's trying to help him. Um, like, he, they clearly have a bond that's stronger than Leo and anyone else, and probably maybe even their father. Yeah. Um, but, I, and, like, I feel like it's inevitable that we are going to get to see this dark side of Ilsa because they've been talking about it so much. Right. But I am scared for her. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I like Ilsa too much. She's, like, precious to me. She's, like, she's not innocent in the way that August is, but, like, it's the way that she handles herself mm-hmm. is, like, this innocent confidence, which I think is really nice. Where she's not like Kate, where she's outwardly confident and has to tell everyone very loudly that she's confident. She's quietly confident. Um, 
which I really and like the fact that she still holds that guilt even now and is like trying to make up for it I know I just want to help her I want to alleviate her pain I know I know the whole conversation just broke my heart a little bit like first off the fact that Leo dismissed her so easily when she was trying to help mm-hmm. that you know you can see how upset she is by the fact that the world is like backtracking instead of finding a solution forward and like making progress and then like how overbearing that is with the inevitability in her worldview that like the world's gonna keep moving forward the soon I are gonna change the humans are gonna change there's nothing I can do to stop it and that means I can't stop it from getting worse and like it's just so sad I don't know it reminds me of Thanos in like a really bad way where he's just like I am inevitable and it's like change is inevitable and it just really hits you in this conversation with with Elsa um but every time she speaks Mm -hmm. I fall more in love with her like everything she says the love she has for August the way that she phrases really basic things in the most extraordinary way oh it's just so poetic and like flowy Yeah. Um, and then it made me, it made me really, made me really sad that, like, she's coming to sacrifice herself to help August, and, like, based on what we know from August, that, like, every time you go dark, a part of you doesn't come back. Um, I worry that, like, if she kind of blows up, so to speak, and, and goes dark, that, she may never sort of like recover in full or even get back to this level of lucidity because she's already pretty crazy and like she's she's, lost a part of her mind she's right on the tipping edge and if she goes dark and comes back like is she actually going to be able to still have that empathy and have that love and have that support or is that going to get lost yeah that's what worries me (sighs) Um, I had a question for you. When she goes, it spilled right out of his mouth, little brother. He he couldn't keep it in, um, talking about the guy that downstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went back and forth, back and forth, but then he broke, like, all things do. Is that implying that she killed him? No, just, like, him holding the truth in, but then it came oh, out okay. of his mouth. By, just okay. by being near her. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I was like, okay, that's casual, if it's death um i feel like august would have woken up to her singing if true that's probably true although the radio was on so i don't know okay but um the part where it goes kate's eyes went to the stars pouring down ilsa's bare arms you're the third one ilsa cocked her head no she said sweetly i'm the first it was so, like, sassy without even being sassy. Like, she didn't mean it in a sassy way. It was just matter of fact. Like, no, I'm the first one. What are you talking about? Well, and it literally says, like, she said sweetly. <laughs> like, I'm the first. <laughs> I'm the first. I, I loved it. It was so cute. Um, I want to audiobook Elsa. Like, I want to be the audiobook voice for Elsa. I feel like I could do a really good job at it. Victoria Schwab, can I audition? <laughs> It's probably too late, but still. Um, that's all I have for seven. It was a very short chapter. What did you have? I said it all. I only had those three things. 
eight. Uh, so Malachi have genders now too. <laughs> How many of these monsters are gendered? I don't like it. I know. And also, it doesn't make sense. Like, what kind of crime determines the specific gender? Is it the person who committed the crime? It must be. That's That was my thinking. So then what woman committed, like, a horrific mass murder to create Ilsa? Women can be scary. I know, but, you know, most mass murderers are men it's like statistically proven i know but <laughs> women are weird sometimes they uh they do not we do not claim them as our own moves <laughs> people yeah it just felt it felt weird that like the monsters like the sunai are very human like so like that i can get on board with but like the malachi yeah. having genders was just Really? And then, like, what is, does that mean? The Corsi have genders? How do shadows have genders? They they cannot have genders. Like, that wouldn't make any sense. They're just like all. a hive mind that whispers. Like, there's no, yeah. there's no way. There's no way. Um, though, you know, it's probably one of those things for the monster. Because, like, they can't really procreate. So, it's just yeah, a construct. <laughs> what a shock there. <laughs> it would be interesting if all of the monsters were, like non-binary though like just like what would that look like for the Malkai and the Sunai like it would have been a very interesting story but you also don't want to portray people on the LGBTQ plus spectrum as monsters because they're not yeah exactly tricky territory yeah it's like interesting story but you know who did that really badly pretty little liars and so I don't actually really want to read about it I don't think I've ever read a sentence from the Pretty Little Liar series. And I read the first book. Never. It's not in the books. It's in the, the oh, TV really? show. They changed the TV show completely from what the books did. Like, the books have a set bad person and, like, follow a very set form. And then the TV show went, like, spoilers for Pretty Little Liars. The TV show went, like, way rogue and said that, like, Allison De Laurentiis had this secret brother who turned out to be trans and so secret sister who was in like a mental hospital for years and years and then like escaped and uh tried to kill all of her friends yeah that's probably not the representation they're looking for and they like came upon that way after they had introduced the character that they decided to make the sister so like they cast this beautiful like blonde very cis woman as this character and it's like no one <laughs> will buy this <laughs> just uh, so problematic anyways um i also am very interested to get more information on when harker started branding humans mm. i was very surprised by that. Like, she's like, why Why would they revolt? I'm like, well, maybe they, because they're branded, for one. <laughs> like, why are you branding your people? That's a little bit weird. Well, and the monsters are kind of like his slaves, and he feeds them. Yeah. For them to, like, stay in line. 
But why would Humans? you brand a human? Like having a human yeah. slave, we're we're crossing into <laughs> questionable territory again. Very questionable. We territory. don't treat people like cattle. Like I don't know. I I feel like we're gonna get more info on that later on. I hope. Uh, <laughs> instead of just being told that they're branded, but it's very like. Either there's a reason for it, or mm-hmm. this is just a way for Kate to be able to recognize them for our sake. In yeah. which case, there could be very other, better ways of, uh, like, having a certain haircut or something to say that, like, you are part of this, like, support system for Harker. Or just, like, all we need to know is that this human is against Harker. Run in and say, die, Harker scum. We'll know what side you're on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We don't need to have a clawed off brand mark on your face. Yeah. That's just weird. Bit bit much. Uh <laughs> when Kate asks August to like nail the window and like break into the car for her, it's like, oh, she's getting August to commit petty crimes for her. What a devolution in their friendship. <laughs> Yeah, though I am, and then my last, my last comment for chapter eight, it's like, I, I got really frustrated with August in these chapters, because he's putting them both at risk by not being honest about how often he gets hungry, and then, like, not being honest that he is hungry, um, because she asks him, she's like, how often do you need to eat, and he's like, when I'm hungry, I'm not hungry, and it's like, okay, that's not helpful information for people to make decisions off of August, and it's just... He putting her at risk in this situation because he hasn't eaten in a while. He's putting himself at risk by not eating. And instead of having her stop so he can find something to eat before they leave the city, he's just choking it down. Because, like, then it's not a good choice. Because if he goes dark, she's instantly going to be killed. And then the treaty's broken anyways. So, like, why did you go through all of this trouble? Mm-hmm. Just go get a snack. August, we don't need you getting hangry. <laughs> get a snickers bar <laughs> i mean i get like they're in north city so maybe they can't but i mean but there still has to be a way to find someone he can eat like well soon i aren't allowed to them. hunt soon i aren't allowed to hunt on the north side yeah and remember their eye their and eyes they're get fugitives anyway like <laughs> right but it'll be yeah, so easy point. to to paint it as this soon I kidnapped my daughter, treaty broken. Also, look, they fed on our side yeah. of the fence. Yeah. True. Um, very true. What else do you have for chapter eight? Um, I have a lot, but um, it was mostly action. Uh, but I was like, ugh, you've gotten over the August fairly. Um. I was annoyed with Kate, not in her character, but, like, in the way that she is kind of how what she's doing. She has fresh stitches, and not, like, minor stitches either. Like, it sounds like they were pretty gruesome stitches. And here she is, back on her feet. We get a couple moments where she's like, I'm in pain, or, like, pain seared through her shoulder, shoulder or whatever. But for the most part, it's focused on what she's doing, like, action-wise, like, concentrating, um... There's one moment where, like, her stitches tear and she feels 
a cry but then she's like back on her feet and like just like working through the pain and then she's like in a car and she's like on a breakthrough in the car naturally like, yes. I'm, like, I, I just feel like maybe that might be a little bit far-fetched even for uh Kate but I'm I'm trying hard to overlook this for the sake of the plot so, I don't know it's a lot of effort that you have to put in there I'm sorry <laughs> Yeah, um, it just, like, YA in general with their action sequences and injuries and romances can be far-fetched, but there's something when some, an author goes into detail about, like, having an injury and then having it fixed up and then, like, reversing that and being like, okay, well, let's go, you know, chuck some spears at these monsters. (laughs) And then take a car and uh get the car going and go through a uh whatever that was that they blew by um i don't know it just it concerns me a little bit because now not only are we gonna have i'm expecting her to be in even more pain at least make it a little bit realistic right right because we do know that her stitches tore at some point Mm mm-hmm in the next chapter, but then you also have, uh, as your concern, rightly stated, August being hungry and not saying anything about it, so you're going to have these two angsty teenagers with a whole lot of problems, and I just at least feel like it's not, not going to end well. At least he's not a vampire who can smell that her stitch is ripped open, and that's going to That is true. Like, that's, that's the one true. saving grace. Yeah. Not by much. <laughs> oh, that would be the end of the book, then. What an unsatisfying end. It's like we've had all this character work to finally get them to trust one another, and then he just eats her. (laughs) That would be the worst. So funny. Oh, my God. Um, I think, actually, that's all I had. Yeah. Pop, Pop culture? Yes. Let's do it. I was going to say, Julie, were you able to find something for every chapter? I think I found one thing for every chapter. Maybe two Nice. Awesome. So proud of you. (laughs) Given how short chapter seven is, that's pretty impressive for for you. Yes. (laughs) I actually have a couple for the same book. Should I start? Yes. Yeah, you should. Okay. (laughs) I have one for chapter six. Um, Okay. And it's just in general about them running away to this motel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, lots of different movies and books and pop culture references going to a motel to like get safety. But for some reason, what popped into my head was in Vampire Academy. Um, it, it happens in both the book and the movie. They run away. Um, uh, they don't actually know why they're on the run, but they just know that they're on the run and that people are after them. Uh, and so they stay out in different places. Um, I think one of them is a motel. I'm not entirely sure, but it's it, for some reason it was like in my mind like the same like runaway sequence, and then like mm-hmm. they get a little, little bit of reprieve, and then they're on the run again um, until they get caught by people and dragged away. <laughs> Naturally. Um, naturally uh and i do think they try to steal a car at some point too so (laughs) there you go of course what do you have uh 
so creepy motels feel very Veronica Mars to me. Um, there's this whole scene in one episode of Veronica Mars, I think in season two, uh, <laughs> where she go. No, actually, it might have been season one, uh, where she goes looking for a girl, and she traces her to this sketch motel, and like there's this guy who's like running the motel who's just like really creepy and every time she's like I need I'm looking for my friend like she may have stayed here I just need to see if her cell is here like blah 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 and the guy just keeps like pointing to a sign um and like telling her that she needs to pay for every room she wants to go into and so just like extorting her for money basically and he's like watching porn on his computer and it's just like so just sketchy and gross and so yeah this whole thing where it's like pay by the hour in this like dingy ass motel reminded me a lot of that veronica mars episode uh i hate that veronica mars episode it has a very sad ending Mm. not gonna talk about it uh the stitching up scene reminded me of new moon when carlisle has Bella, like, in the other room after she needs stitches because she, like, banged her head into a mirror or something insane. And so he has her in a separate room, like, by herself, and it's very calm, and he's stitching her up and just, like, talking to her, and she's asking all these questions about, like, Edward and his soul, and he's talking about, like, Edward's viewpoints on, like, religion and his soul and, like, what he thinks about Bella, and it's just, like, a very casual, easy conversation while he's giving her stitches. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so just, because he's just trying to, like, focus on getting her fixed, keeping her calm, and so they just, like, keep talking to make that as easy as possible, and so that, that reminded me of August's sort of, like, calm quietness throughout this. And then, uh, Kate, I don't know if this is, like, a Shadow Hunters thing or a City of Bones thing, so you'll have to tell me if it's, like, a TV show thing or a book thing okay. or both, um... But there's this point in, like, early on in the Shadowhunters TV series where Clary is, like, starting to remember, like, flashes of her real, like, Shadowhunter life. So she's starting to remember, like, meeting demons as a child and, like, little things start coming back. And that's how she realizes that Magnus Bane took her memories on Jocelyn's orders. You're nodding, so I'm guessing that's a bookism, too. Yeah, okay, it's great. A book thing. So Kate, like, remembering the monster eyes and the claw scratches and not just, like, the car crash itself reminded me of those, like, flashes coming back to Clary as well um, Mm -hmm. when she's starting to get her memories back. Good one. I know. Are you proud of me for a city of bones reference? (laughs) I am. Mm, Yeah. Uh, And then Harker, in his conversation with Kate, I was kind of talking about this earlier, but, like, it's exactly what I always saw in Matic, and so I can understand why you're super distrustful of this whole conversation, because there are these moments where, like, fatherly concern and, like, wanting to take care of his kid is, like, peeking through, but you don't always quite know if there's, like, still that underlying motive that he's also trying to accomplish, but it doesn't mean he doesn't care about his daughter. It's trying to figure out if there's a way that he can accomplish both, and so I could just, like, see that through this conversation that there were clearly elements of him caring about her and wanting to keep her safe but not really understanding and knowing the best way to do that maticky and that's all i have for chapter six i actually just thought of another one on that similar um note with 
her conversation with her father. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is why I'm distrustful about it because I always think of this a lot. Because um, it's such the scene it happens in is good. Anyway, um, the good fight, which is a spinoff of the Good Wife TV show. Yes, great TV show. I love it. That one, the character Maya, um, I think it's in season one, uh, her father was fled to some, I don't know, like Caribbean island or something um, after like stealing a bunch of money. Um, So he was wanted and she was trying to kind of get through the, she wants to be a lawyer, um, but with her father having stolen all this money from a lot of lawyers who Mm. she was trying to get jobs with, obviously that was a it's a bit of a challenge. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Uphill climb. So she's cooperating with authorities and they're like, okay, we're going to have, we don't know where your father is. So we're going to have you call him and just talk with him. And through that call, we're going to be able to trace the GPS signal, kind of like the GPS signal that they, she was worried about, uh, Kate was worried about. Um, but so while she... She has to keep him on the phone, though, so that they have enough time to, like, really pinpoint exactly where and then to be able to go and actually arrest him. So she's just keeping him on call and, like, continues talking to him. And I think that's why I'm, like, this conversation with her father was, like, it felt like the opposite, where it's, like, her father is just continuously talking to her. And, like, why is she... Why are they having this whole conversation now? I don't know. It feels a little bit tricky. But maybe that's just me being skeptical of him. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Good fight. Good TV show. Love it. I've heard you talk about it before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A couple times. Okay, good. Uh, should we do chapter seven? What do you have for chapter seven? Yes. I had one. Um, again, Vampire Academy. Uh-huh. The, this is in the movie. Um, the... Sh- Oh my gosh, I can never remember Zoe Dutch's character's name. Um, but she is somebody like spooks her, like goes to basically be like boo and to scare her um, for fun. Mm-hmm. And she like turns around and like has him like in a headlock and like basically threatening to kill him. And she's like, never approach a vampire guardian like that. Blah blah blah. Like, do you want to get yourself killed? That reminded me a lot, for some reason, of Kate being woken up by Ilsa and being, like, on her guard, like, I am going to kill you. (laughs) Um, Where she goes, the lighter in her hand transforming into the small, sharp knife, the silver edge pressed to Ilsa's throat. (laughs) Like, I could just see Kate saying something like that if she were awake. (laughs) Uh, I loved it. True. Yeah. No, that's that's very, very true. We hope. Okay, so Vampire Academy. Was there anything else for Chapter 7? No. What do you have? I want to hear yours. Uh, okay, I have some good ones here, and they're all book-related. Go Chantel. Um, well, they have movies, too, some of them, but they were all originally books. So Ilsa's, like, almost, like, riddles, and her just her method of talking reminded me so much of Wyrus in Catching Fire when she's, like, all freaked out about, like, the the arena. And she's like, hickory, dickory, dock, tick-tock, the clock. Mm, yeah, that's true. It was just, I was getting, I was getting Wyrus vibes. Though Ilsa's obviously a lot more calm and collected than Wyrus was. Yep. Being in the middle of the Well, Wyrus has a lot more 
P- well, they probably have a lot of PTSD, both of them. But yeah, yeah, but Wyrus is like a skinny little old female, and Ilsa's a yeah. indestructible monster. So true. I don't understand why Wyrus has more fear. <laughs> true. And anxiety. Um. So that yeah, it just reminded, especially the clock part, because she was like TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then she also just like really has such. Maybe this is weird, but, like, a Luna Lovegood quality about her, like, just in that effervescence that she gives off into the universe, but it's, like, if you combined Luna Lovegood with the madness of Neville's mother, like, if you take the sweetness and kindness, but also lunacy of Alice Longbottom and combine that with the effervescence of Luna Lovegood... I feel like you get Ilsa. Like, so sweet, so nonviolent, but they could also snap on you in a second, and you would not see it coming. Mm-hmm. Just, just saying. True. Uh, and then it, she also reminds me, most of all of my pop culture references were just things that Ilsa reminded me of. <laughs> but uh, the last one is of the mother in this... Um, Children's book, it's a Newbery, Newbery Award winner called The Girl Who Drank the Moon. Have you read it? No, I not. It's very good. If you are looking for a middle grader children's book to read, I actually highly recommend it. It was a really enjoyable fantasy read. But um, this woman's daughter was stolen from her, and the person who was, like, behind making sure that the kids get stolen and given up every year in this village... She's called, she basically, like, eats misery, and so she's been trying to breed misery in this town and, like, defeat hope, but this mother, like, fought against her daughter being taken and, like, refused to give up hope, so the misery eater, like, locks her in this tower and calls her mad because she, like, refuses to be miserable and, like, give up the hope that she'll see her daughter again one day because she never stops hoping for that, um... But when she's locked up in this tower, she goes completely, like, stark raving mad, but always remains lucid enough to, like, keep that hope in the back of her mind and, like, know what she needs to keep working for and, like, what she wants to do, which is to try to find her daughter. And her body starts just, like, being able to emanate magic in certain ways to, like, help her find her daughter. Um, So I just thought it was, like such an interesting and good book with really cool magic system um but sort of that like not necessarily sweetness but that like not fully letting yourself get weighed down by the darkness Mm -hmm. that's surrounding you like recognizing that it's there recognizing how sad and awful it is but not letting the misery overtake you was very Elsa I like that and it's a good book people should definitely read it Paulina has, I know. <laughs> She's listening. Uh, yeah, but that's that's all I had for Chapter 7. Just, you know, Ilsa character relations. <laughs> what about for Chapter 8? I had two for Chapter 8. Ooh, a lot for me. I know. Uh, first one is when August goes... Um, when she's hot-wiring the car, mm-hmm. August goes, is this something they teach at boarding school? First of all, just so funny. <laughs> I love it. Um, <gasps> it So it reminds me of a couple things, actually. Um, the first one I cannot name. I know that it exists. I just don't know. I'm pretty sure it's in, like, a movie or TV show. And mm-hmm. somebody goes, like, 
they're doing something crazy and somebody's like what do they teach you at boarding school or something like that if anyone knows what I'm talking about, like, I feel like that's very vague, but very specific at the same time. I feel like time. that could I'm definitely pretty... have been something that was said in Gossip Girl after Serena gets back from boarding school. It might be. I don't think it's Gossip Girl, though, because I don't know the Gossip Girl lines as well. Um, the Parent Trap. It, they say something like that about the sleepaway camp. Where? And the Parent Trap. That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. Like, what do they teach you? Because like, she has the, like, what British accent and stuff or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she's like... And it's Jessie. Jessie says exactly it because she's it. saying all this weird stuff. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you remember. <laughs> I thought I was going to be lost forever. <laughs> Team effort. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um... But it's also in, um, something similar is in Meet the Parents, uh, when mm. Ben Stiller's character is, like, um, Robert De Niro's character has rigged the entire, like, place that Ben Stiller's character is, uh, sleeping in and cleaning the bathroom and stuff, because, like, he's trying to figure out what's going on and, like, why is this guy so crazy? Um, and he's, so, Robert De Niro's character is watching the videos back, and... Best source character goes up unknowingly to one of the uh, cameras, which is hidden in a picture frame, um, which is of Robert De Niro's character, and is like mocking Robert De Niro <laughs> and going, um, to chase th- he's like doing all these crazy moves, like karate chops and stuff, and like he's like, did they teach you that in the CIA? <laughs> I don't know why it reminded me of that <laughs> so much. In the CIA, he's a flower seller. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh god so funny <laughs> um and then the the other one that i had uh was oh this was kind of like because it's like top of mind i just watched it. it was a cruella thing um when they are getting out of the garage gate like going through it and like going onto the street and just going absolutely wild and the car is swerving kate is smiling <laughs> Look a little bit crazy. Uh, There's a scene in Cruella. I don't think this is spoiling anything. Where she's getting away from the Baroness um, Mm -hmm. party that she crashed. And also basically hot wires a car um, and makes a break for it uh, because she is being hunted down. I was going to say, that's not really a spoiler because Cruella's always been a crazy driver. Yes, that is true. (laughs) Um, but it's this, like, pretty, it's, I think it's even in the trailer where she swerves onto the road and she's, like, smiling crazy and looking, eyes. like, a little bit crazy and everyone yeah. else in the car is like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it just reminded me of that. Amazing. How about you? Uh, so when August, like, uses his arm to deflect the, like, electric baton and he's just like, ha <laughs> And his eyes, like, glow with power. Um, It just, it felt very Marvel to me, like, the whole moment. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, when Thor deflects something with Mjolnir, like, when something hits Captain America's shield or, like, hits Black Panther's suit and then the vibranium, like, bounces back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or really anytime Vision does anything since his whole body is vibranium. Basically anyone using vibranium or Thor, um, just that, like indestructibleness of like I'm actually stronger um that reminded me of that and then 
another Marvel reference, but the the actual like electric zappy batons remind me of the new show Loki when they're in the Time Variance Authority. Um, all the TVA like agents have these little sticky things that like glow and then they like touch people with them and it's called pruning, but it basically zaps them into a different part of time and space. Um, and yeah, just like that electric baton sort of like giant taser thing reminded me visually of, of those things in, in Loki. And then uh, the, where she's like going through the different cars and she's like, mm, not that one, not that one. This is the perfect one. It reminded me a lot of uh, Zodiac Academy at like the very, very, very beginning of the series because Tori, one of the girls, would like steal people's bikes and then resell them like motorcycles and then, like, resell them, and so she'd go through these, like, rows and rows of motorcycles until she found the exact one that she wanted to steal because she wanted to ride it, uh, and she's like, this is the perfect one, and it would always be, like, a super bike that would be impossible to for her guy to resell because there were only, like, six of them made, like, ever, and she's like, god damn it. So he would, like, give her no money for, you know, like, a $500,000 motorcycle, um, but it made me made me laugh. And then Ant Man uh, can hotwire a car for you if you need him to. Too. Real Marvel kick with this with this chapter. But that's all I had. Oh, good one. Yeah. Should we do MVPs? MVPs? You're first this time. Um. So. This is gonna be this is gonna be a surprise, Julia. Okay. Are you ready? I'm gonna say my MVP is Kate. Wow, I am surprised. Okay, yeah. why? Yeah. Um, I thought she was very brave in these chapters, not just in handling and dealing with her pain. Um, and, like, pushing through it and making the best of the situation and still trying to be a team player and not let anything hold her back, but also in opening up and, like, not being afraid of her memories anymore. Like, she was actually like, no, wait, I want that back. No, I actually want to remember that. Wait, there was something there. Like, let me dig into that further instead of shying away and, like, saying shit about her mom again. And so she finally feels like she's at that precipice where she's ready to really be open to herself and her feelings and that's just what I've been waiting for her to do is like finally be vulnerable and start getting herself into that place where she can be vulnerable and this was the first chapter in a really long time that I felt like she was about to take that leap and about to take that jump obviously all this other stuff happened so it's gonna be a while but she felt closer than she's ever felt before and she didn't have as much snass and Snass, sass and snark. Snacks. Yeah, sass and snark. It's a new <laughs> word. Um, didn't have as much sass and snark as she like normally does. And even when she was quipping, she was making jokes. Like she was laughing. She was able to have humor in situations, which she hasn't had in a really long time. So I'm, I'm just really proud of all of her character growth in these chapters. She's probably also delirious with pain, but that's well. You know what? It's fine. What about you? Um, I'm going to go with Ilsa because 
she's out of the compound. She wants to help her little brother. They're not really related, right? Like, they don't have a real tie, but they are a found family. And, like, she clearly cares about him enough to say that she wants to protect him. Like, doesn't really... Questions him for a minute, but doesn't continually question him about why he's doing this. Why is he helping Kate? They're basically sworn enemy, the daughter of their sworn enemy, um, whose father would probably either murder them in an instance if he could, or um, <laughs> lock them up. <laughs> he doesn't. She does not question it for a second after that, um, and she just says, "Okay, like get out of here. Let me do my thing. Just run. Make a break for it." Um, and as you said, like, she is, she speaks so eloquently, despite speaking about very boring subjects, like, talking about the guy downstairs, mm-hmm. the way that she's, like, and he broke, as all things do. Like, she did not have to make that sound so poetic. <laughs> like, just say that. He was just, like, weak. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it to her. To support it. Who would you have picked if I picked Elsa? I think I probably would have picked Kate for similar reasons. Um, yeah. Just, like, trying to grapple a bit with the whole, you know, being in pain but still having humor. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a rare chapter. She had stitches and oh. she's, like, in action. I'm like, what? Only Kate. Uh, it's a rare chapter for us where neither of us would have picked August. Like, I know, because he's being him. dumb. I get why he's doing it, but oh my god. He my is god. being dumb. He's being so, so dumb. I'm worried um, about him. I know, me too. What about your wine rating? Alright, I decided we've had enough of red wines. We have had so many red wines. You're going That's to have true. a white wine. Okay. I am saying that this is like a South African Chenin Blanc. Where Support. you have sweet and sour. The sweet mm-hmm. supplied by Ilsa, the sour supplied by August. And then you have Kate somewhere in between there providing the uh, balance of fruity and earthy tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, I would say it's a 7 out of 10. Probably could have been better. Probably yeah. if it had, you know, aged a bit more or something. <laughs> if uh, Kate was a... <laughs> trying to run off and kill some people. I mean, she has to, but... Uh, you have that zestiness from her with the uh, jokes. It's true. You do. Um, yeah. That's my wine rating. How about your whining rating? So, not a lot of angst out of, out of Kate in mm-hmm. these chapters. Um, she's pretty much just kind of, like, go with the flow and makes the best of the situation and, you know, is, like, actually excited to have a conversation with her dad isn't like moping about anything um which would like decreases the potential score a lot even though she makes a, some dumb teenage decisions which we already kind of talked about with the stitches it's not angsty there's not whining associated with it she's just like running and, and being hard-headed august on the other hand <laughs> goes back into existential crisis mode is like freaking out over protecting Elsa who is more powerful than he is um and can hold her own and he's being like a weird trying to be like an overprotective big brother when like that's not his role and like she can make her own decisions and he's just like anxious about everything and like anxious about Kate being away from him and 
he's a mess. Um, but I don't want to, like, give it a super high rating just because of August because, like, Kate balanced out a lot of it and so did Ilsa with, like, her ability to just, like, move on past the inevitability of all this change and, like, brokenness. So I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I think that's fair. Fully, <laughs> fully funded by August Flynn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's, that's the episode. Uh, look at, look at us. Um, I'm so tired. Thanks everyone for listening. If, um, you want to follow us on social media and talk to us about the book there, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Unnecessary Angst Pod. You can also follow us on Twitter at Unangst Pod. We may eventually come up with a regular posting schedule at some point. Not anytime soon, but at some point. Uh, and you can also email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you all and chat with you and know who's listening to the pod, if anybody. And <laughs> we know there are people listening. <laughs> Show yourself. <laughs> Don't know if anyone's listening consistently, but if you're here yeah. in any capacity, we'd love to hear from you. And if you've made it this far in the book, kudos a journey that we've been on together um but i hope everyone has a good rest of your week and we'll talk to you next time have a good one bye bye